0: Welcome back to Tower Talks, your conversational podcast from Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. We're connecting you to the cathedral from afar, the docents, volunteers, staff, and artists who have each contributed to making the cathedral such a special place to be. In today's episode, we're talking to Jay Hall Carpenter, a sculptor and artist who has contributed a great number of gargoyles, grotesques, and other sculptures to the cathedral. Though, as I learned from talking to him, that exact number is up for some debate. You probably know his most well known contribution, the Darth Vader Grotesque, but his work can be found throughout the cathedral and all around the DC area. Without any further ado, here's Jay on Tower Talks. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Can you hear me okay?
1: I can hear you great.
0: Perfect. I can hear you great too. How are you doing?
1: All is good here. That's
0: good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really, really appreciate it. You'll be the first person that I talk to that I don't already know. So that's actually kind of really exciting to me because I was like, oh, it'll be nice to get to know somebody that I haven't already talked to. (laughs) So for the folks at home uh, who may not know you, who are you and where are you from and what do you do?
1: My name is Jay Hall Carpenter. I was born in Washington, D.C., and I now live and sculpt in Silver Spring.
0: So when you talk about sculpting, what is the difference between somebody who sculpts versus someone who is a stone carver or a stonemason?
1: Well, the major difference between sculptors and stone carvers is that stone carvers are much stronger than sculptors are. <laughs> I'm a sculptor. I work in clay. And so at the cathedral, they were divided into two categories, stone carver and sculptor. So we would create the original clay model, and then the sculptor would reproduce it in stone. And this gave the cathedral an opportunity to see the work before it was committed to stone and put on the building.
0: Got it. So how collaborative of a process is working with, you know, as a sculptor, working with a stone carver and the other folks at the cathedral? Is Like when you are commissioned to do something... How much of that is your creative interpretation versus how much is working in groups with others?
1: Well, the design is always entirely the sculptors, at least in the first go-round. It has to be approved, and occasionally some changes are suggested. It it varied for different projects on the building. Some were donor-driven. Some of the gargoyles, for instance, the donor would say, oh, I would love to commemorate my university and their mascot is the so-and-so. So we would create a, a gargoyle of, a, of whatever that so-and-so happened to be. And, uh, but for the most part, the work I did on the West Towers uh, had no specific donor suggestions attached to them. So I was given essentially free reign to come up with ideas which were then approved. And we can go into that if you want to, but um, uh, for the most part, It was just left up to my imagination. A lot of the work inside the building was more proscribed.
0: And you did somewhere in the realm of 500 gargoyles or sculptures for the cathedral, if I'm wrong. Is that the right number? Well, (laughs) there are a
1: couple of ways to parse that number. So Mm -hmm. the total number of sculptures there that I designed is 520, but it didn't create 520 Carver's models. I created an unknown number Pro- approximately in the range of 200. And then they were duplicated. So for instance, halfway up the towers, I sculpted the animals of Noah's Ark. And I created one model of a rhinoceros, for instance, and two were made. One was supposed to be male and one female. Now with rhinoceri, it's very hard to tell. <laughs> but we were able to sort of cheat in that way and get two carvings out of one model.
0: Got it. So that number is sort of an estimate. It depends on how you look at that number.
1: Right. And I've never counted up the number of actual models that I made, just the total number of finished products that I designed.
0: Got it. So how did you get into sculpting in the first place? Like where did that start for you? And then how did you decide you wanted to do it professionally?
1: Well, um, I was taking art lessons, private art lessons from the third grade on. I was very interested in drawing and painting. And then when I came to the cathedral as a student at St. Albans at the age of 14, I became fascinated by what was going on across the driveway in the carving sheds. And I would spend all of my free time watching them. And eventually Malcolm Harlow gave me a piece of stone and some tools and said, go home and get busy. There's no point in just watching. So I did that and that was the first stone carving I made and, and, and I didn't even finish it. It was just, you know, a fledgling start. Mm-hmm. And then when I was kicked out of St. Albans, for reasons that are lost to history, <laughs> I went over to the cathedral and asked for a job, a summer job of some sort, just so that I could be on the other side of the window. And they gave me one and I was a shop boy, essentially. Uh, I was 17 at the time, I had just turned 17. And I was um, sweeping the floor using a shovel and a wheelbarrow and uh, keeping running errands and things like that. So I still hadn't really done a sculpture, but in my evenings and weekends, I had found some clay and I was making a gargoyle in my spare time. And when it was ready that summer, I brought it in and showed the master carver. And he liked it and was a gremlin committing suicide, which perfectly encapsulated my love for mythology and my feelings about high school. And um, I showed it to him and he liked it and he had it carved and put on the building. So that was the first sculpture I'd ever done.
0: Do you know where that is on the building? Yes,
1: it's on the west facade, just above the observation gallery. When I came to the cathedral in uh, 1974, the west towers didn't exist. And the pilgrims gallery was open to the sky. So the very first Projects that I saw the carvers creating were gargoyles for that level just above those windows. And uh, three of those are mine.
0: As someone who works across multiple mediums, including, you've talked about clay and stone, and you also do a little bit of metal work, right? I do. Do you prefer one of those mediums over the other? Or when you're working, does one sort of speak to you about a creative idea more so than the others? Or is it just sort of dependent on what you're doing?
1: Well, I work in more media than even those I uh, write plays and musicals and poetry. So I'm really just interested in creativity in all of its facets. The fact that I earn my living as a sculptor is a little unusual in that I use sculpting to support the other adventures of my life. But I think I was first drawn to sculpture because of what I saw going on at the cathedral and I thought that stone was the way to go, but then I tried stone. I had the pleasure of having Roger Marigi teach me to carve stone. And I realized that it's really very laborious and less creative than I hoped, at least at the level I was practicing it. And so I gravitated to clay very quickly. And that's my first medium. Almost everything I do begins as a clay model. So if I'm creating for stone, I'm creating in clay. The same is true of bronze. Occasionally I fabricate directly in metal and those often start as drawings rather than sculptures. But um, occasionally those are sculpted in clay, at least roughly prior to fabrication.
0: Of the things that you've contributed to the cathedral, what would you say is your most well-known and what would you say is your personal favorite?
1: (laughs) Well, they are different. Mm
0: -hmm. The most
1: well-known is Certainly the Darth Vader grotesque, and I uh, take very little credit for that. Uh, It was um, conceived as a grotesque by a student who won a competition with National Geographic magazine. The uh, carving was done by Patrick Plunkett, and the original creation, of course, was George Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic. So all I did was copy that into clay, and then Patrick carved it into stone. So, as delighted as I was to do it, I feel guilty of getting any credit for it at all. But there it is, and um, it's very hard to find. It's on the back of the Northwest Tower, as you well know, mm-hmm. uh, but many struggle to find it. And uh, it's quite high in the air, and it's, I believe it's next to a raccoon sculpture, which was also part of that competition. And then on the back of the other tower, are Bertha's braces, a girl with hideous braces, which was another winner, and something called a sagacious grotesque, which is a sort of grotesque character holding an umbrella to keep the rain off his head.
0: That was somewhat of a leading question on my side, because I knew you had done Darth Vader. (laughs) I wanted to bring it up.
1: It is incredibly
0: difficult to find Darth Vader on the outside as someone in visitor programs who often has to try to explain where Darth Vader is to visitors.
1: Yes, that... Project sort of came full circle because I did a project many years later for George Lucas, a statue of Douglas Fairbanks Senior for the University of Southern California. Mm. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were donating buildings to the new film school and they needed a statue to go in the courtyard and somehow they found me to do it. Uh, So when I had my meeting to present my ideas to George, I asked him about this grotesque. Had he, did he know about it? And he knew nothing about it. But he was delighted by it.
0: <laughs> so you've worked on, it's not just the cathedral where you work, obviously. Um, the one that I sort of found in my research of you that I'm interested to learn more about was the Jim Henson statue at UMD. How did you come to carve that? And what was the story there?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I began work at the cathedral in... 1976 and I left in 96 so I had a full 20 years there I finished my degree and I began uh, working for other churches well that had really begun prior to that and then um, I was invited serendipitously into a national competition that was being held by the Jim Henson Legacy Project and the University of Maryland to create a sculpture of Jim and Kermit and i'm not sure how i got into the mix but i was very pleased I was one of four finalists who were asked to present models and i think we presented our models three times over that summer in 2000 and um, i didn't change my model from one presentation to the next i started getting more and more worried because i was The others were, I wasn't seeing the other models, but they were making changes. I knew that and I wasn't. Uh, But in the end I was victorious and given the commission and it was a really wonderful project. It's uh, Jim and Kermit on a bench and Jim had passed away fairly recently prior to that. And uh, Kermit was still alive and well. So Kermit came to pose in my studio in Frederick, Maryland. And he was with me for two weeks. And he was the best model I've ever had. He never moved a muscle.
0: Kermit is maybe my favorite. uh, Gonzo is maybe my favorite, but Kermit is a very strong second favorite. Very
1: strong. Yes, he's my favorite as well. And it was really a delightful project. And the Jim Henson Legacy Project was very much involved. And Jane Henson came to visit the studio and they made a film documentary on the process and on Jim's life. And it was really quite a wonderful experience for me.
0: I love that story. I'm so glad I asked you that question. (laughs) Not the cathedral, but it's a fun story, so who cares?
1: (laughs) Well, that was my first legitimately public monument. Prior to that, I'd been doing liturgical work. I had work in a number of churches and two cathedrals, and things were going very well in that realm, but I wanted to be doing public sculpture. So at the same time, I won that competition. I won a competition to create a statue of Louis Goldstein, who was the Maryland comptroller for years and years. They were renaming a building for him and wanted a statue for that courtyard, and it ended up being moved to the front of the building when they saw it and decided it needed to be celebrated a little bit more. So those were the two launching points for me in in my a career as a public sculptor.
0: Do you find that there's a big difference in the work that you do in a liturgical setting versus public sculpting, or are they very similar?
1: Well, my approach is very similar. You know, typically I, I'm sculpting historical figures or figures believed to be historical, about which there might not be much information. But in the case of Jim Henson, of course, there was videotape, there were thousands of photographs. We had exact measurements of him because he was fitted for so many costumes and puppets. Uh, There was even a, a cast of his hand so that they could fit the puppets to his hand. We weren't able to locate that, but we had all this other information. But in some cases, like Joan of Arc, you know, there's an historical tradition, but there isn't any specific first-hand rendering of any kind. So there's a lot of more imagination that goes into some of those older biblical figures. But my approach is the same, you know, immerse myself in the biography. If they have any writings, I try to at least familiarize myself with those and find the inspiration within the biography.
0: Going back to the cathedral a little bit, do you often, now that you're not sort of there all the time, do you find yourself going back to visit? And if so, are there particular areas of the building or things things there that you always make a point to see?
1: Yes, when I'm at the cathedral, I'm usually accompanied by somebody who hasn't seen it before, and so I give the more or less standard J. Hall Carpenter tour, which includes a lot of gargoyles and angels and things like that, and I always take them inside to the Bethlehem Chapel, where Susan and I were married, and to the St. Joseph Chapel, where my tympanum is. I did most of my work for the outside of the building, but I did a couple of projects inside that i'm particularly fond of and one is the alleluia he is risen tympanum over the entry to the crypt in the saint joseph chapel
0: i'm familiar that's beautiful work are there any elements of the cathedral that you didn't work on that strike you or that are things that you really love to come and visit
1: well the bethlehem chapel was done long before my time and it's my favorite chapel in the building it's really stunning my favorite tympanum, I suppose, would have to be the West facade tympanum because I helped Rick Hart sculpt it and that was a big part of my education as a sculptor was working with him on that project, on all of the West facade sculptures. But a sentimental favorite is the South Tympanum by Heinz Warnecke, which depicts The Last Supper. When I first saw it, I thought, well, that's an unusual way of approaching it. You know, the, the model is very Chalk block in a way it's very unusual as it relates to the other sculptures on the building but then uh, years later i saw a photograph of him heinz warnecke working on the model for that tympanum, and he didn't sculpt it in clay you may know this he sculpted it in wood mm-hmm. and it's it's made entirely of scraps and pieces of wood that he shaped crudely on a bandsaw or something like that and the full-size model then didn't need to be cast in plaster like all of the other models at the cathedral it could just be delivered as a wooden model and carved directly from that Mm -hmm. and so i was so fascinated by his process i think he's a slightly under-recognized sculptor at the cathedral for his contributions
0: then folks will definitely have to go and take a look at that particular sculpture uh just to sort of give recognition where it's due
1: indeed and you can see you can find it on Google, the images of the model itself, which are stunning.
0: Do you have any favorite stories of your time working on the cathedral that are more just sort of your experience of being in the place and with the people um, that you can share, obviously?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are a few I can't share, but Uh (laughs) (laughs) well, when I came there, I was 17 and was you know the lowest person on the bottom part of the totem pole, so they would play little tricks on me, which was fun, uh, if you were not me. One of them was uh, Carl Tucker was my immediate superior, and I was his assistant and then if other people needed me, they borrowed me and Carl was a model maker at the cathedral, and a brilliant man who could fix anything and occasionally could damage anything. Uh, he was a little bit eccentric. And he actually designed a gargoyle for the cathedral as well. And I took that inspiration as a suggestion and made my own. Uh, But he suggested that I take the air hose that all of the carvers, the nine carvers in the shed, used air from, we all used it from the same compressor. And he suggested I take the air hose and wash down a table or something, I think it was a table with the compressed air. And he said, if you let it run long enough, the water at the bottom of the compressor will come through and you can hose it down. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a great idea. And so I did it. And uh, as soon as that water came through, a huge uproar came out of the carving shed because they got all that water too, through their air hammers. And they ran out the door and uh, let me know and. Into no uncertain terms that that had been a mistake.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> a great trick, but I imagine it was not fun in the moment. <laughs> well,
1: I was, I was embarrassed on a daily basis.
0: So my sort of last question for you is what makes the cathedral a special or unique place to you?
1: Oh, wow. That's a huge question. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have, a, I have a stake in it, of course. It's very personal to me. You know, it's basically my, uh, my art school was spent there. The 20 years that I worked there were my education in art and the 14 years that I worked with Frederick Hart was all wrapped up in that. So it, it's incredibly personal to me, but it's also just such an inspiration to so many people. My wife grew up in Chicago and she visited the cathedral when she was 13. She was one of those kids, you know, bounding off of the bus looking up at the tower and asking, why are they taking it apart? (laughs) (laughs) Which we heard more than once when actually we were putting it together. And, uh, you know, just everyone who visits there is inspired by it. It's this amazing act of faith, you know, let's build something that hasn't been built for centuries and do it in 90 years instead of 300 and do it the way they did it with only a few modern conveniences along the way. It's an extraordinary achievement.
0: It is such a privilege to work there every day, particularly as a young person. I think I have this perspective of being so blessed by the enormity of the thing that I do, but also getting to experience the minutia of it and seeing it every day and seeing people's reactions to it every day, particularly as somebody who interacts directly with visitors. I'm the one who books the tours for those kids who come off of those buses. <laughs> so every once in a while, I get to pop out and sort of look and you know see that bus from Iowa or Minnesota or whatever it's gonna be and see them just go, whoa. <laughs> and it is quite a great thing. <laughs> I'm very, yeah. very lucky.
1: I feel very proud to have been a small part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I have genuinely very much enjoyed having this conversation with you. I wish we had more time. <laughs> just keep talking, but I don't want to take up your entire day.
1: <laughs> well, I've enjoyed it, Erin, very much as well.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much and have a good rest of your day. Stay safe. Likewise. All
1: right. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye.
0: you to jay for being on this week's episode and another thank you goes to you for listening to keep up to date on the cathedral please check out our website www.cathedral.org or follow us on facebook twitter and instagram there's tons of online content for you to explore including virtual tours worship services photography downloadable activities and so much more as always we hope you're safe and well and we look forward to connecting with you next week on tower talks